Well, my name is Joe McKechnie, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's an honor to be in worship with each and every one of you this morning. Uh, this morning, we're continuing our series entitled The Chapel Roswell Mixtape, in which we pick several different songs from different genres and different eras in time. Thus far, our walk down musical memory lane kicked off in the year 1991. That was Nirvana. Then we went back to 1965. Last week or two weeks ago, we returned to the year 2018. And this morning, we're traveling back to the era of hair bands. The year was 1988. The band was Guns N' Roses. Oddly enough, no one in the band actually liked the song Sweet Child of Mine. They were kind of writing it and, and just goofing around in, in the studio one day. The, the song went to number one. It was their biggest selling song. But no one in the band Guns N' Roses even liked the song Sweet Child of Mine. It started as a goofy jam session, like I said, in which they were just pretty much making fun of the way the, the song was progressing Lead singer Axel Rose wrote the song about his girlfriend, and her name was Erin Everly. Her dad was one of the members of the Everly Brothers, a popular band in the 50s and 60s. Now, I remember when our child was born, our first child, we have a, an 11-year-old son, we have an 8-year-old daughter. It was 11 years ago, my wife Catherine had been in labor for 36 hours, Little David seemed to be so content in the womb. He didn't want to come into this world. And the doctors finally made the decision to do a C-section. And they let me come into the, the, the room as they coaxed him out. I guess that's the right way of putting it. Catherine was lying flat on her bed. And, and there was a curtain blocking her so she couldn't see what they were doing down there. They allowed me to sit right next to her. And I remember the doctors pulling out David. And I won't lie to you, I mean, I lost it. It was just a powerful, emotional moment. This sweet child of mine. Just as the song Sweet Child of Mine was a, a love song written by Axl Rose of Guns N' Roses, the scripture speaks of God's amazing love for you and for me. I want to take you back to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Hear the word of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Will you pray with me? Dear loving God, we thank you for the gift of your word. And we ask that the Holy Spirit stir within us, affirming the truth of scripture and this morning, Lord, may we not only learn about you, may we learn from you. We thank you for the claim and the calling that you have placed upon each of us. And may we respond to that claim. May we respond to that calling. And Lord, may our lives reflect the fact that we are yours. And may you receive the glory and honor in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
In Romans 8, 15, which we just read, it said, For you had not received a spirit of slavery, which leads to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. What does that mean? We cry out, Abba, Father. Well, the Greek word for adoption is a term referring to a full legal standing within a family. And and it's telling us that there are two things that God doesn't want for us or from us, okay? One is being a slave and one is being full of fear. So it says we have the spirit of adoption, and this theme of adoption is one of the most profound theological points that we find in Scripture. The the Greek word for adoption is a compound word formed from two different words. One is the word son, and the other is a verb to place, to place, literally to place one's son, to give the position of a son. In the first century AD, an adopted son uh, was deliberately chosen by an adoptive father to perpetuate the family name and to inherit his estate. Someone outside of the family who's seen as an outsider is now all of a sudden brought within the fold, brought within the family, and has made that legal entity. He's no longer treated as an outsider, no longer treated as inferior. Through a dramatic series of events, one goes from being a condemned orphan to being one who is adopted with no fear. Because of his justice God can't dismiss our sin, but because of his love for us, he chooses not to dismiss you or me. In 2 Corinthians 6.18, it says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And now, uh, there's an element of, of service that we have as followers of Jesus, as believers in Christ. But God is saying, I don't want you to be a servant. I don't want you to be a slave. Rather, I choose you to be my son or my daughter. This close-knit, loving relationship is what the scripture speaks about when it talks about our relationship with God. Not anything distant, not anything cold, not anything distant, not anything cold. How cool is that? Regardless of where we've been, that regardless of, of what you've done, that God claims us not as servants, not as slaves, but as children, as heirs. That shows the depths of the Father's love, that you are indeed a sweet child of God. Maybe in your life you have a, a loving father or had a loving dad who took care of you. Or, or maybe you come from a background where your father wasn't all that he could have been or should have been. I'm blessed to have a, a father whom I have a great deal of trust and respect for, a great deal of confidence in. And in my own spiritual journey, I can rely more and more that God will take care of me, that God will provide, that God is in control. And, and like I said, maybe... Some folks don't have those precious, tender memories of dad, or or they don't come from a a loving household, and therefore maybe the concept of God as a a loving parent is something that they can't quite comprehend. But the truth is, in my life, there are things that I don't understand, but I have a heavenly father who does. I don't know what the future holds, but I have a heavenly father who does. That I may not see my worth or my value or my importance, but I have a heavenly father who does. 
that life gets hard and can seem at times even overwhelming and not sure how we're going to make it through. We have a heavenly father who serves as our strength, who serves as our provider. And the scripture is telling us that God, like a loving parent, wants to take care of us. And are we willing to let ourselves receive that? Like a child, maybe we get into to, to things that are harmful and God will lovingly take us to where we need to be. And we'll have to, to deal with maybe the consequences of our sin or our mistakes. But God says that I don't love you any less. That you have been adopted by a heavenly father who was crazy for you. That regardless of your past, God says I want you to be a part of my family. That regardless of what others think of you. I want you to be a part of my family. Now, I know that very often when we pray, we we like to use this big lofty verbiage. And and very often, maybe we're intimidated or or we don't know exactly what we're going to say or how we're going to phrase it. But in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? And Jesus says this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven how would be your name? The first two words are so powerful. Our Father. To refer to God as a father was, was just revolutionary, almost scandalous. For Jesus to use such an informal term for, for such a great creator outraged the religious leaders of that day and time. They, they thought it was far too comfortable of a title to use. A, a father provides love and protection and guidance. And to the, 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 the pagans, to the Romans, the, the gods were off in the distance somewhere. The creators were off in the distance somewhere, but, but had no personal concern or care for little old you or little old me. Other world religions didn't enjoy this intimacy with their heavenly father. Like I said, they would pray to a God who was distant, who was out there somewhere in the cosmos, off in the distance somewhere. But but Jesus is using a term of endearment to describe God. Just before Jesus was arrested, he he went to the garden to pray, and it says that he, he, he talked to God and referred to him as Abba, Father. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you, and take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Now, it's important here because what Jesus says is Abba, Father. The original manuscripts of the New Testament were written in Greek, but in this passage, the word Abba, it's not a Greek word. It's Aramaic. It's a form of Hebrew. And when it's translated into English, it's such a powerful, poignant term that they didn't even want to use the the, the English translation because you really can't even describe it in such a way. It's not just the word father, but it has this deeper meaning, this intimate relationship that you can't even describe with just the word father. The closest thing maybe in the English language would be daddy or maybe papa that's the kind of language that jesus used when he talks to god abba was not an unfamiliar word but it certainly wasn't one that was used to describe god but that's the kind of god that jesus wants the people to understand during those times like i said the 
the, the pagan gods were off in the distance doing something. The, the Israelites even often viewed God as high and mighty and out of their reach. The, uh, the political rulers of the day, they ruled from afar. As long as you, you paid your taxes and stayed out of trouble, your region could be ruled with a, a long leash. But here's Jesus making this bold, radical statement when he declared that God was so very close that God is involved in our daily lives, that God is accessible to you and to me. It says a lot about the characteristics of God, but it also says a lot about you and about me, that, that we're so loved by our creator, that we are of worth and a special place in the heart of God who knows everything about us and still claims us, that, that, that you are of sacred worth to God. I remember when our six-year-old, uh, I told you when he was born, now he's 11, I remember when he was uh, about six years old and, and, and just running around the house, and then I would be kind of chasing him around, and, and I remember then even going back into his childhood when he was just a, a little infant, when he was just a, kind of in his crib, and, and I remember he didn't like going to bed. He, he would always cry, and he was always fussy and always kind of mean-spirited at, at bedtime, but he would stand up in his crib, and he would grab onto those bars, and he would yell, Dada, Dada. He didn't like being where he was. He, he didn't like being confined to that space. But he also knew that he was helpless to change his circumstances. And even though he was helpless, he knew that Dada was not would go and gently and lovingly lift him out of his predicament and I would hold him. He would eventually fall asleep in my arms and he would realize that he couldn't fix himself but I could save him. A few years ago there was a, a popular song entitled God's Not Dead. It was a song recorded and released by several different Christian artists. Uh, the, the group, the Newsboys, had probably the, the most success with it. And here are the lyrics. It says, let hope arise and make the darkness hide. My faith is dead and I need a resurrection somehow. Let hope arise and make the darkness hide. My faith is dead. I need a resurrection somehow. And now I'm lost in your freedom this world I will overcome. My God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. The song was written by a worship leader. His name's Daniel Bashta. He was born in Louisiana to missionary parents, and so he traveled all around the world. He's married now and, and actually lives outside of Atlanta. And, and he wrote the song, which, like I said, the newsboys took to the top of the charts. His song is a little bit more mellow, a little bit more laid back. And he didn't use the term God's not dead in the title. Instead, the, the, the song is called Like a Lion. After being married for, for five years, Daniel Bash and his wife, they had tried unsuccessfully to get pregnant, and, and one of the reasons that he wrote the song was so that he could raise money for an adoption. 
It went to the Bethany Christian Agency in Atlanta, which is a, an adoption agency. And the adoptive family, the, they would put together like a big scrapbook, a, a big notebook with information and pictures of the family. And the various birth mothers would then go into the agency and they would flip through the books and they would pick the family that they wanted to raise their child. A few weeks after submitting their scrapbook, the Bashta family received the call from the agency. There was a mother who wanted to let them have her child. They wanted the Bashtas to be her baby's forever family. Now, like I said, Bashta grew up in a, a missionary family. They traveled all over the world, and they developed kind of an interesting family tradition. You know how we give, like, teddy bears or, or stuffed animals they always gave out stuffed lions. Lions were just kind of the thing in their family. And on the day in which the birth mother called about to give birth, the Bashta family received the, the, the call to, to go down to Northside Hospital, and they took a gift to give to the mother. It was a stuffed what? It was a stuffed lion. And as she as rather they walked into the room with, with the mother laying in the bed and, and there in the little little baby bed, I guess, right next to him was the, the little baby. And she shared her story with the Bashta family. She grew up in Michigan, and she was an unwed teenager. And when she became pregnant, her parents gave her an ultimatum. Either you have an abortion or you get out of our house. Not knowing where to go or what to do, she headed south. This unwed, pregnant teenager moved to Atlanta. Now, in Atlanta, she was watching MTV, and they had a, a PSA or a personal service uh, message uh, for the Bethany Christian Adoption Agency. And she said, maybe that's what I need to do. Uh, around that time, uh, a newfound friend took her to to a church in Atlanta, and the, 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 the band, she recalled, was singing a song about roaring like a lion. She remembered it clearly because during that song, she said she could feel a sense of calm, a sense of peace coming over her. She said that she never before understood that you could feel God. And she sat down, and she started to journal the lyrics of this song, Like a Lion. Imagine her surprise then when the adoptive father of her newborn baby told her that he, in fact, was the one who wrote that song. She started to cry more and more, talking about the impact that the words had had on her life. And Daniel Bashta said that he had these tears swelling up in his eyes. It said, we all started crying in this hospital room to know that my son has such a calling in his life that even before he was born that his dad's song was being sung over him. I thought that I knew what God was capable of, but we experienced his faithfulness in such a miraculous way. Our Chapel Roswell mixtape this morning takes us back to 1988. Sweet child of mine. Reminding us that, that, that you and I have been adopted into God's family. 
as our response this morning, as our band will will play our, our song, we kind of call it a song of invitation because how we respond is really up to us. But but we're going to invite you to, to, to come down as you feel led and just write your name somewhere on this certificate of adoption. It certifies it that we are welcomed into the family of God. When Jesus was on earth, his message was basically this, come and meet my daddy. Because through me, he can be your daddy too. Will you pray with me? Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and for the ways in which you accept us as we are. We thank you for your desire to pick us up, to clean us up, and to give us a mighty plan and place in this world. Thank you for not being a God who is distant, but rather one who wants to be a part of our everyday lives, a God who wants a relationship with us. Forgive us, Lord, when we push you away or we refuse your invitation. And maybe, God, there's some of us who have really never understood the concept of a loving God. to focus on the true meaning of being a follower of Jesus, to acknowledge that we can't do it ourselves, that we need your help and your guidance. And Lord, we accept you as Savior and we follow you as Lord. The scripture says that your Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, wooing us into a deeper relationship with you. And Lord, through this week and throughout our lives, I pray that others can can see the work that you're doing in our midst. They can see our Heavenly Father in our words, in our actions, in our responses. Give us the strength to live our lives for you. To help us know that we have been chosen, that we have been adopted into your family. Thank you, Lord, for being our Heavenly Father, our Daddy, our Papa. We pray these things in Jesus' name.